As you're leaving today, there are going to be invitation cards that you'll be able to pick up um, from one of the ushers as you're going out. Um, these will have information about uh, events that are coming up for Easter, and so if you want to pick those up on the way out and grab as many as you need, we are a welcoming church, but we also need to be an inviting church. And so I um, hope that you will be able to take them and invite as many people as possible. We're in the final part of our series on emotionally healthy spirituality, and we began by looking at, first was the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality, and our second week we looked at know yourself that you may know God, and then we went on to going back in order to go forward, and then we journeyed through the wall or the dark night of the soul, and then we looked at enlarging your soul through grief and loss, and then discovering the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. And then last week we looked at growing into an emotionally mature adult. And so we're going to wrap up today by considering developing a rule of life. And this is the next step for us in this process. Developing a rule of life with the goal of loving God well and loving others well. You see, in our world today there's a great temptation to have half inch thick and a mile wide spirituality where we have a lot of head knowledge, but we haven't been transformed by God down to our core. And our discipleship hasn't been on emotional health and contemplative spirituality to sermons on the radio or TV, or we go to, from one worship experience to another worship experience, versus nurturing and developing our own personal relationship with Jesus as followers of Jesus Christ. And during the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to integrate some of the riches of historical Christianity into our daily living by looking at the daily office or praying and taking time to be in God's presence in the morning and then the evening and then also practicing the Sabbath. And these, we are going to need a radical Christianity if we're going to be able to stand up the forces of our culture with materialism, relativism, sports as a religion, intolerance, just to name a few things from our culture, that are trying to lead us away from God. And these forces want us to compromise our faith and be diluted in our walk with Jesus. And it's not things that are evil that are going to lead us away from God. There are things that seem so good and entice us away from God. And so as we've looked at some practices, daily office and Sabbath, and now a rule of life, these are practices that will keep us grounded in God every moment of every day. They'll help us to slow down in order to be with God. And the purpose of a, what is called a rule of life is that it is a conscious plan for your own discipleship. A conscious, intentional plan for your own discipleship. It's a structure to guard our hearts and to stay in the presence of God, where we are paying attention to God every moment of every day. And having a conscious plan, as this, having this rule of life, gives us a way to be more responsive to God. The original Greek word for rule meant trellis. And a trellis is a frame or a structure or latticework that supports the branches of grapevines. And without that support, the grapes end up small and the vine not very strong. And if you put the vine, though, on a trellis, 
it becomes more fruitful, rich, and full. So in order for us to consider um, this, I want us to look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to start reading at verse 29. This is right after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the disciples and Peter is preaching to the crowds that are hearing what is going on. Acts chapter 2, we'll start at verse 29. He says, Brothers and sisters, I can tell you with confidence that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he would not He was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so if you go back to verse 42, you have what is called a rule of life, so to speak. It is a structure that they they lived by in the early church. So there's this group of people who hear the gospel message and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then it says they did four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They studied the scriptures. The second is they devoted themselves to fellowship. And then they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and then to prayer. And as they gathered together and they lived together, this was their rule of life. Intentionally, their intentional form of discipleship. Apostles teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
And so they were committed to this. So the first thing they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This was a big part of their rule of life, the study of scriptures, the Bible. And we're all learning. And that's why we never, with God's grace, are anti-intellectual. We are to use our minds. We are to study the scriptures. We're to understand them. And we're to love God with our hearts, but also with our minds. And so we are always learning and studying. The second thing they did was they were to be devoted to fellowship, which is another word for sharing together. And this was not an individual private affair only of accepting Jesus. And part of their rule of life was that they gathered together. We come together through Jesus. And when you accept Jesus, you're born into the family of God. And part of what we've seen during Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is we have to learn how to live in the family of God. We come from families with maybe a lot of baggage and a lot of patterns and behaviors that are not that Christian. And so now we're in the family of God and we need to learn how to live in the family of God, to be a healthy member of the family of God. And that's a whole new radical way of living. And every family goes through successes and failures, ups and downs and conflicts, but we stick together. And even finances are involved as we are called to be generous. The third thing, the third element of their rule of life was the breaking of bread. Now many scholars think that this refers to the Lord's Supper or communion. And there's much to support this view. But there's also strong support that this refers to eating together. Eating together was extremely important, especially in the New Testament culture, because it was a sign of equality, hospitality, and family. And welcoming new believers into one another's homes was a powerful statement of acceptance. So don't just think of it as communion, but think of it as eating together. But when you think of it, that's exactly what communion is. Equality and belonging to God's family. Then the fourth thing was prayer. The fourth element of this rule of life is prayer. And You'll notice that they prayed together, they also prayed individually. And we've looked at prayer can be broken into three, or can be broken into three categories. There's talking to God, there's listening to God, and there's also being with God. And one of the things we have been talking about is being silent before God. We always have noise in our lives always have noise and we need silence and all these things are needed and this is what the early church did with their intentional discipleship and so what I ask you to consider how are you being intentional in these four areas the apostles teaching fellowship the breaking of bread and prayer and that's not all there is there's more but specifically today just consider those four areas and be intentional about your relationship with Jesus and with others. And so a rule of life simply is an intentional conscious plan 
to keep God centered in your life and in everything you do. And it will provide, and doing a rule of life provides a guideline to help us continually remember God. And it includes unique combinations of spiritual practices that provide structure and direction for us to be intentional about becoming more Christ-like. And the starting point and foundation of any rule is a desire to be with God and to love God. You see, very few people in the church have a conscious plan for their discipleship. We sort of have a laissez-faire attitude as to how we are going to grow and be more Christ-like. But I have found that this to be of great value to me to develop a, to be intentional about my discipleship. And I believe it's something that is essential for our church if we are going to combat the forces of our culture that keep pulling us away from God. Our crammed schedules, our endless to-do lists, our demanding jobs and families, there's constant noise everywhere you go. All these things are speeding us up rather than slowing us down. And we have routines to manage our lives. You think when you get up in the morning, you have a routine. It may not be intentional. You get up, you feed yourself. You get dressed, hopefully, and you go to work. You feed the dog or the cat, if you have one. You have these patterns. If you didn't do them, something would go wrong in your life. So we have these patterns. Oftentimes they're unintentional or unconscious. But to have a plan for your own discipleship is incredible. So what does it look like to do a rule of life? How many of you have actually heard that word before, rule of life? Okay, a couple of you. Others, you're sitting there going, what in the world? Rule. We don't like that word rule. So change it to rhythms of life. You know, change the word. It's like sisterhood. I mean, you guys aren't going to like the word rule of life, so I know it sounds legalistic, but how do you develop a rule of life? Well, each of you are unique, but the goal is the same. Union with Christ, transformation into his image, and the freeing of our hearts from anything that stands in our way of being in a relationship with Jesus. Now, how we get there depends on your personality, give mixed temperament, culture, and particular calling from God. And so there's certain areas. Prayer, when we come to prayer, have a plan to pray. Have a plan to pray. Now, I'm not going to ask for your hands, but how many of you have a plan to pray? We pray when we're in crisis, you know? But do we have a plan? I'm going to pray every day at 7 a.m. Oh, no, that's too rigid. There's no relationship there. Okay, I understand. But at least have a plan. If you were on a sports team and you said, well, I'm going to practice when I feel like it, you wouldn't be on the team. (laughs) Why? Because it would hurt the team. Have we ever thought that maybe us not having a plan for prayer hurts the church have a plan to pray 
It might be intercessory prayer, where you're praying for the needs of others, but it might be learning to be silent before God. Have a plan for rest. Rest. What do you do to rest? Where you, the idea was the Sabbath. One day when you do absolute no work. You have to plan for that. It's called the day of preparation. You plan so you can rest. Or maybe it's just take care of yourself. What do you do to exercise, to eat well, to you know, go through this whole list? I'm going to say something a little sexist here, but if men go to the grocery store without a list, we come home with the worst stuff in the world. And if you go to the grocery store without a list, we're susceptible to marketing. Well, I digress. Activity. Do you have a plan for service? Service to others. Do you commit every year, I'm going to go on two mission trips, or I'm going to help out at this shelter, or I'm going to do this? Do you have a plan? And then relationships. Relationships, developing emotionally healthy relationships, and being in community. And the goal, remember, is simply to help regulate our entire lives in such a way that we truly prefer the love of Christ above all else. St. Benedict, who lived in the 400s, said this, the way of your way of acting should be different from the world's way the love of Christ must come before all else. That's pretty cool. Okay, that'll work. So I want you guys to, I mean, this is fine, right? I want you guys to think of being intentional about your discipleship. And think of those four areas in your life. And so for me, when I was younger, my goal was to read through the Bible once a year. But now, that's not my goal. My goal is to read less and meditate more. But when I was younger, it was important for me to read through the Bible, to understand the whole Bible. And so depending on where you are in your season of life, changes how you'll study the scriptures. And then fellowship. And I haven't developed this here yet, but back in Chicago, every Friday morning, I would get together with a friend for what we called an oatmeal summit. We'd get together at Egg Harbor, restaurant and have oatmeal together and we held each other accountable. We would talk about our lives and we, it takes a long time to develop that type of relationship where you hold each other accountable. Be intentional, uh, intentional about developing those relationships. And then hospitality. Think about hospitality. Think about being intentional about hospitality and inviting people to your homes. Think of this. 
your doorbell rings. 20 years ago versus today, or maybe 30 years ago than today. 30 years ago, when your doorbell rang, it was a wonderful thing. People would get up from the couch, you would run to the front door, the whole family would go to the front door, and you would open the front door and go, look who's here. And you were excited because you had company. And you'd look and say, what are you guys doing here? They said, oh, we were just in the neighborhood and thought we'd stop by. Well, come on in, and you would welcome them in. And your mother always had a cake, either a Sara Lee or an Enemans crumble cake that was set aside just in case you had company. And you were never allowed to eat that cake. And then your mom would put on, uh, boil some water for Sanka. And young people have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. And you would have cake and Sanka. And you would sit around the table and everyone, young and old, sat around the table together and your mom would cut the cake and everyone would be served. And no one touched a phone. And if the phone rang, your dad would say, no one answer it, we have company. And we work on that. And now today, if your doorbell rings, you duck down. <laughs> and you yell out, hi, hi, turn the lights off. Why? Because we don't know who's at the door. And no one dares go to the door. You go to the window and you look out to see who it is. And you say, are you expecting someone? Are you expecting anyone? And then you don't move until they leave. Be intentional, intentional, but hospitality. I think every one of us in our spiritual lives should go buy an Enemans cake. <laughs> and then prayer. Prayer. I, I think I've really gone from talking to God to listening to God to being with God. And so developing a rule of life is about being intentional with our own discipleship and having a plan. And so tonight at our open small group, um, we're going to be wrapping up the Emotionally Healthy course, but if you are interested in coming, we'll be talking about developing a rule of life, and so you're invited to attend. It's at 5 p.m., and if you haven't been coming throughout the last um, eight, seven weeks, you're still invited to come. Our goal in all of this is to love God well, to love others well, and to love ourselves well. And let me end with the character of God's love for us. You've heard this probably many times before. But this is the nature of God's love. This is the love we are supposed to have for one another. It's from 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to be in your presence and to know of your love and your grace. Help us, Lord, to be intentional about our 
becoming more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, our culture tries to pull us away in so many ways. Help us to be the people you've called us to be and do the things you've called us to do. And we will give Jesus all the praise and glory, for it's in his name we do pray. Amen.